0: It smells so good in here, right? Oh, man, you know. Um, don't tell this to you, our Brea Church brothers and sisters because it's over there. It's like Costco coffee in a big canister <laughs> that <laughs> someone put together. And um, But they're grateful for that. But if they saw this, they wouldn't be so happy. So we're just, uh, you know, I just feel like God is calling me to stay here all day. Today. Anyways, um, i got to go back and preach. <laughs> um... But uh, great job with that. Um, you know, you think about, um, today we're going to be looking at this concept of thought about peace. Um, and it is something that is um, invaluable, right? You really can't buy it even if you had the money. I mean, how many people do we know who are famous or even personal friends who have so much? And uh, they need peace and they want peace. I mean, think of it. People spend thousands of dollars to go somewhere exotic or different. They try to get peace. They try to get away from their home to go and find some kind of peace somewhere, right? And they try to find this. Um, and, and we go after it in techniques and different things and we try to go and get peace, I think, um, in so many ways. Um, but think about this, a good night's sleep um, some peace. How important that is. Um, think of why do certain people? Why do they drink so much? Or why? You know, I remember when Michael Jackson, um, when he passed away, you know, and he was um, taking all these drugs, and it was just to sleep at night. Like it wasn't like he was um, lacking in anything, or was a horrible person in that sense. He just didn't have peace. And so you think about this today. Um, we have this peace. As Christians, we have the peace of God. In the Bible, here, um, several times it talks about the peace of God, the God of peace is with you, is available for us. This peace is described as a peace that surpasses all understanding um, and how big that is. And so we could have this peace. And I want us to grasp this truth today. Um, you know, Psalm chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, and this, in this Psalm in chapter three, it's in the midst of um, uh, turmoil and war and strife. And he says these words, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. He was able to sleep. The Psalmist says, I'm able to sleep because in the midst of war and uncertainty, the Lord sustained me, Right? The Lord sustained me. Um, And so we go to that. Let's think about this for for us. Um, Even today, a Jewish person will greet another Jewish person by saying shalom. And we know that means peace. Um, But it means so much more than that when they wish someone shalom. And in the Old Testament, in this Hebrew word, shalom, it's a word that is loaded with meaning. It means completeness. Uh, it means soundness, welfare, peace, success. It means a peace in an outer strife. So, if you're at two nations are at war, they wish him Shalom that there would no longer be this war, but also inner strife, the struggles that we have on the inside, that there would be no more strife in this way. And so, we want to get this and understand this um, and say, how can I have this kind of peace, right? The God, God Himself is called, the, the titles that God has given, he's in Judges 6.24, He's uh, Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. Jesus Christ is called by the prophet Isaiah in 9.6, the Prince of Peace. And so, peace is one of those things about God um, that we often overlook, but it is one of the greatest privileges that we have. And so, we have this already. As a follower of God, we already have this, and this is what we ought to be doing now, right? We ought to rejoice. We ought to pray. We ought to think, and we want to. I want to just really drive that home for us. Number one is we rejoice, all right? Um, That we ought to be rejoicing over this. Um, Could we say that out loud? We rejoice. One, two, three. We rejoice, right? Chapter uh, verse four in the passage that we read, it says this we have that up. Let's read that one last uh, out loud together one time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Okay. He repeats this here. He repeats this on purpose here. This isn't written to children or this isn't written to young people. This is written to grownups, people like you and me. And the church in Philippi, they heard this Why did he repeat this? Because they wouldn't do it. Because they were too mature and they knew too much to do this. Why did he tell them to rejoice? And why does he have to say it twice? Because they didn't do it because I think back then, just as we do now, they rejoiced simply, they thought of rejoicing as simply um, an outcome of something good that happened. That's how we kind of think of rejoicing, right? Um, I got a promotion. I made the sale. I rejoice, right? Um, you know, oh, my kids got into this program. I rejoice. I got engaged. I rejoice. And we think that joy or rejoicing is just simply a reaction or a natural byproduct of something good that happens. But here he says, on the contrary, no, you rejoice always in the Lord, not when something good happens, not when you get the new car, not when, boy, life goes your way, not when she says yes, and when you ask her whatever it is. No, rejoice, not in circumstances, but look at verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, because you aren't listening. You worry, and as people grow up, they think worrying is the natural thing to do, but not as a Christian. He tells us to rejoice always. You know, the word um, secular, we use it often in the church world. We think of secular as worldly. Um, sometimes we use it to describe secular music or, you know, are you do you have a secular job or are you in ministry? We try to s- separate the sacred and the secular. So Sometimes we have an understanding of this word secular, like it means something bad or worldly or something like this. But the word secular really means temporal. Um, it's temporal, it's not eternal, as opposed to the things that are sacred which are eternal. And so what we see here is when he talks about secular things, when we rejoice in secular things, they're, they're all temporal. So our jobs will be temporal. You will change your job one day, you will retire from it one day. Um, The material possessions you have will be temporal. You're not going to live in your house this whole time. You're not going to drive your car that you were so excited about when you first got it till the payment showed up and then you weren't as excited. And then the new model came out and then you're really not excited about your car. Um, Or even things like, boy, marriage and kids. And these are all great things, but they're still temporal. Whereas the always, as opposed to this, you look at verse 4, is in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in him. Um, There's a story of um, during World War II, during the bombings, they would round up um, so many orphans. And these orphans would be taken to obviously uh, different um, uh, refugee camps and orphanages and so on. There's a story about one orphanage where um, the children uh, couldn't sleep at night. And so they would, some would cry, some would weep, some would just lay there with their eyes open all night and they wouldn't be able to sleep. And uh, one of the caretakers talked to the little boy and was asking, well, why is this, why, what are you afraid of? And she figured out that he was just afraid of the uncertainty of tomorrow. What are they gonna eat? Where are they gonna sleep? And so what this caretaker did was she took a loaf of bread and says, here, this is yours. You don't have to worry about it. You can lie down, hug it, and this will be yours when you wake up." And the little boy would take the loaf of bread and then he falls asleep, right? And not only that, um, they did this to all the kids in this orphanage. And all the kids now are sleeping with these loaves of bread, right? And they're all falling asleep. And maybe if you can't sleep, right? Maybe you could do that tonight, right? Get a double-double, burrito, whatever it is, and just say, okay, I I have this tomorrow. This will be my breakfast. But really, uh, it was the presence, the tangible presence of something that represented uh, security. And what we are told here is this rejoice not just in a loaf of bread, not just in the secular things that are temporal, but in the Lord always. And he tells us in verse five that the Lord is at hand, right? And so we rejoice. I wanna, this is a command in the original language, this is in the imperative, this is in what's called a present tense, which means it's a continual action. This means you ought to rejoice. If you're having a good week, you ought to rejoice. If you're having a bad week, you ought to rejoice. If you are winning, you ought to rejoice. If you are losing, you ought to rejoice. Rejoicing here is in the Lord, not in your circumstances. The second part, that um, we have this peace, and because we have this peace, what we ought to do, right? It's this relationship, peace and prayer. We ought to pray, right? Uh, We ought to pray more. God is with us we ought to pray. God hears us, we ought to pray. Look at verse six in your Bibles, if you would. Um, six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything. And I love the, the words of just totality. You know, let's, let's put everything in. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Moms, dads, don't be anxious about your kid. Business person, don't be anxious about the deal that's going to be closing. Student, don't be anxious about the exam you have to finish. Uh, Don't be anxious about anything but in everything go to God. Now, you hear this from teachers often where teachers will tell you, you know, there is no stupid question. Ask whatever you want. But you know, deep down inside, you don't really believe that, right? You're like, well, I don't want to be the one to say. See, even that stupid question, I will answer. It's a, we're, I remember back at Talbot, um, we, we I had a Greek professor, Dr. Black, intimidating guy. He was big, and he taught Greek, and he spoke German, and you know, he was just an intimidating. And this was for Greek one. We're just learning the Greek alphabet, and he would be, and um, and he would go on these rants and lectures about the problem of American church and this, if you asked the dumb question, he would respond. And so some, I remember one guy asked a question and then he just said, Oh, this is the problem of the church in all of America, you know? And so now this guy is, it's, it's all his fault. And he was asking how, what this word means in the original language. And he would just go on a tirade. So the whole semester, it was just like, okay, I'm never going to raise my hand. And I'm going to just, you know, we, we, we do that. God says, now think about this, and I think that Dr. Black at the time just knew so much it could have been frustrating. But think about this, God, the creator of all things, the God who formed you in your mother's womb, God who knows everything about you, and now you show up. You know just this much, and you think, God, how am I going to get by God, what's going to happen here, God? You don't know what's going on. God, can I trust you? Can you imagine from God? You're the problem with, you know, instead of in his loving way, he hears us. And, you know, we ought to be praying in this way. And it says here that the peace of God will be with us. You know, the commentators write about that little phrase, peace of God. It denotes the source of this peace. Where does this peace come from? It's not an inner peace It's not because you are a peaceful person. It's not because you practice yoga in a certain place. It's not because you're able to go to Hawaii or a certain nice place. No, the peace comes from God. So it doesn't matter of your location or your practice or all your possessions. Peace is from God. And this peace transcends all understanding. So what we know, what you are concerned about, it transcends all of that. Ralph Martin, in, the, in his commentary, says, transcending every human thought, surpassing all our dreams, and therefore beyond the range of our comprehension. So can you imagine, as we're going to God, to God, I'm not sure how I'm going to get by this year. Uh, can you just watch over my child this year? He says he knows everything. And so it doesn't matter if we're in our 40s or 50s, 60s, God willing, even till then, he Guards our heart. This term, guarding our heart, is a military term. And so you can imagine, when I go to God and I pray, it's like God is guarding me. He is guarding my heart. And so when the worries and the anxieties want to penetrate, He guards this. It's a peace that surpasses my knowledge. And you know, when we talk about prayer, um, all of us, we get a a little guilt complex. You know, if after service, you're enjoying your coffee, Father's Day this, and Pastor John comes up and puts his arm around you and says, "How is your prayer life? You know, you'd be like, oh man, I'm trying to eat my donut, come on, you know, I don't know, you know, it's not as good as it should, and you say, oh, you know, and that's, uh, you know, we need to talk, you know, and, um, you know, this, I want us to understand, and John Ortberg said it so well, and I just want to read a quote about, he says, it's not about How much in the technique, and this is what he says, the goal of prayer is not to get good at prayer, not to see who could spend the longest time in prayer. The goal is not to pray with greater feelings of certainty or greater eloquence or even greater frequency. The goal of prayer is to live all my life in the joyful awareness that God is present right here, right now. When we pray, the moment you say, in Jesus' name, amen, we have to walk away saying, God is with me. God hears me. God is with me at work. God is with me at home. God is with my parents in the struggles that they have. God is guiding me through this. And that is the goal of this prayer here. This peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard us in this way. And because of that, thirdly, we think. How do I love God with my heart, soul, mind, we think, be deliberate about what you think on it. It it says in verse eight, finally, brothers, uh, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And he says in verse nine, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Think on these things, the word think there, um, it's translated think in the ESV and the NIV is translated dwell. It's a word that means to um, take into account, to calculate, to dwell on, uh, to think about it regularly. And so some, some of you are thinking about Things thinking about um, how much your budget is, or you're calculating this, or you're calculating that. You're thinking about how much time you have to take a nap before you have to take so and so to a soccer game or a birthday party. You think you're cal- he says think about these things. Those of you who are, you know. I was, not just newlyweds, but all of us, okay, all of us who are married, you're thinking about your spouse, right, guys? You're thinking about your wife. Oh, I love my wife. You're thinking about, how did I ever get to have a wife this good? You know, God is so good. And all the ladies are, yeah, yeah. You know, um, preach, preach it, Pastor Steve, you know, let them know. Um, the guys are like, oh, yeah. Um, but you think. You have a hobby and you think about this. And whatever you are preoccupied, you put your mind onto it. And he says here, to dwell on the excellent things. Dwell on God. Dwell on what we have in him. You know, in Isaiah 26, verse 3, there is a verse that I love. Um, It says, you, talking about God, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. Isaiah is written right when the northern kingdom is already gone the enemy has taken them and the southern kingdom is barely hanging on and the judgment of God is coming and the enemies are coming and they're in the midst of losing everything and at that time these are the words you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you he says you get perfect peace in the Hebrew language, when there's repetition, it doubles, it, it, it's saying, what it says in the original language, it says this, you, you keep him in shalom, shalom. The word shalom is mentioned twice. It's to now show the effect and the power behind this. This isn't just a regular peace, it's a perfect peace. It's a greater peace. And this is in the midst of war, he says, you will have all this, who? Whose mind is stayed on you. It's kind of an awkward English translation. His mind is stayed on you. It literally means to be propped on something. The chairs you're sitting on, you are completely resting on this. This podium, I am completely leaning on this. There is this idea of I am resting in God. He says those whose minds are stayed on God, there is perfect peace. Doesn't matter what comes my way, there is perfect peace. And so I want to uh, encourage us. All of our lives are probably very complicated. Things that we worry about. The future that is unknown. Things in the past that we deal with. But God gives us this kind of peace. He doesn't say, I, I'll be your you know, make-a-wish foundation. I'll change whatever. No, he says, I'll be with you. And the joy, the heart of Christianity is that God is with us. Jesus is with us. And the moment we pray, he's with us. So we can rejoice and we could force ourselves and have a discipline of rejoicing as we think upon him. Let your minds rest on him. Let it stay on him today each day, spend chunks of time thinking about God and the truths that you have. Spend on time on who Christ is and why that is important. The future we have in him and why this life is not to be worried about, and the love that he has for us. May his peace, may his shalom be upon all of us. All right, let's pray together. Dear God, you are uh, the God of peace We need more peace, God. Um, Many of us, we struggle with the turmoils of our lives. We want it so badly and money cannot buy it. And circumstances um, are very temporary. You are forever. So, Lord, we rejoice in you. We pray to you, God. We think upon you. And you are with us. So God, we grasp that today. Um, God, I pray for the dads here today um, as they are bringing the kids to church and living a legacy day by day, week by week. God, would you bless that? And Lord, I pray for all of us here that our peace, regardless of where we go, what we do, what we have, what we don't have, be found in you. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.